Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of Irrational Confidence, a basketball podcast created by three dudes who love basketball and, just like their favorite players, have the irrational confidence to let every take fly. Here you'll find weekly episodes on league news and transactions, team updates and performances, and fun debates on our favorite NBA topics. My name is Lino, and I'm joined by our hosts, Kaylin and Micah. We hope you enjoy this episode, and thank you for tuning in. Let's get to it. Welcome in to another episode of the Irrational Confidence Podcast. My name is Micah. I am joined, as always, by my fellow hosts, Lino and Kaylin. We have a fun show for you guys today. Last week, we did our Eastern Conference Power Playoff Power Rankings. This week, we are going to do the West, and it was quite a task to sort through all those teams, so that'll be fun to get into. Before we get to that, we have some news and notes from around the league. Um, just quickly, some injury updates. Um, it seems like everyone in Memphis is hurt right now. Hate that for Grizzlies fans. As we've already talked about, Jaws out for the year, but in addition to that, Marcus Smart is going to be out six weeks, and then just a few days after that, it was announced Desmond Bain's going to be out six weeks. So feel very terrible for Grizz fans. Maybe this will result in a high draft pick. I feel like we said all this with the Morant injury as well. So, you know, tough season for them. Hopefully they can find some some good stuff out of it. Uh, next little news note, Lino and I are very excited about uh, Dwayne Wade. It was announced as getting a statue on Biscayne Boulevard right outside what was the American Airlines Arena in Miami. So very exciting to hear that. Obviously, greatest player in franchise history. Well-deserved. Shout out to the second best shooting guard in NBA history. Absolutely. Don't bring any of that James Harden nonsense in here. And next up, we're going to go. We're, there's no one else. There's, there's, no, there's no one else. Um, <laughs> I ain't saying nothing. I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> next up, everybody just turned off the podcast. Um, <laughs> next up. We just lost all of our goodwill. <laughs> so next we have uh, Draymond Green came back from suspension, played 23 minutes and a loss to the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, he put up seven, seven, and four. Ultimately, I think it'll be a good thing for the Warriors to have Draymond back. And as you'd expect, it'll it'll probably be a, a ramp up session for him to kind of get back to the levels where he was. Uh, finally, there was a trade between the Detroit Pistons and the Washington Wizards. Um, as ex- as exciting as that may sound, it was uh, pretty underwhelming. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, Mike Muscala, Marvin Bagley were all players involved. I don't think any of them are players that will play very much for these new teams. Essentially, it was Detroit sending a couple second round picks to Washington to clear some cap space. So Detroit will have $64 million in cap space this summer, which a lot of people think they are trying to have a similar summer to what Houston just did. Try and get you know a lot of vets kind of brought into the room to help out their young guys that are obviously struggling. So, uh, Lino, I wanted to throw it to you first as our resident Pistons person. And you, you can have zero thoughts, but did you have any kind of reaction uh, to this trade? Uh, it really feels like two people with very poor reputations amongst the general public both went into their own dumpsters, grabbed a couple of things, 
and then got into trade discussions about, hey, how can we, you know, exchange some of this garbage we have on our team for other garbage? And so shout out to them because, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure, I guess. And, you know, two teams who need to find some treasure real fast. I got to at least do something. So this doesn't really move the needle for anybody, in my opinion, but at least they are trying to do things. I personally wouldn't allow the GM of the Pistons to make any more decisions. But, hey, if they're riding it out, then let's see where this roller coaster goes. Well said. Uh, Caitlin, yeah. Dude, I I like this trade for the Pistons. I like I like them getting the, uh, those two guys. They're gonna help. Uh, they okay. need shooting, uh, and the length is just good. I like those two players. They should be uh, a little better. And do what the heck? What the heck is Washington doing? Why why do you why do you want Marvin Bagley? What? You, yeah, it's, and you he's lose getting, what thirteen million dollars? Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah, and you lose that next summer. Like now, they're down to like twelve million in cap space somehow next summer. It's like they have almost none. Hey, they got so. their big three, baby: Jordan Poole, <laughs> Kyle Kuzma, and Marvin Bagley. Locked in, locked in. So I think, yeah, I, th- I think I think they want to get worse than the Pistons, so they have better lottery odds. So they said, "Let's get some of the Pistons players. These guys stink." Hey, that's, that's <laughs> not the worst strategy I've ever heard. But, but Caitlin, I do agree with you. I think the shooting around Cade will help. I remember when um, Mike will, Muscala, dude. Yeah, when Mike Muscala was on the Thunder when they were young and kind of bad, just having a stretch five opened up a lot for those guys. So maybe Cade and Ivy and Asar have a little more room to operate. So that's a good call. I could definitely see that being beneficial. So that'll wrap up the news and notes section, and I'll mostly turn the show over to Kalen at this point, who we gave the difficult task of putting together some Western Conference playoff power rankings. Um, If you missed last week's episode, these are how much championship equity we think each Western Conference playoff team has. We have a couple specific questions for each team, and we're just going to run through. Kalen, I'll hand it off to you first and tell us what you came up with. All right. Thank you, Micah. Yes. So uh, super tough to rank these. Did have a hard time. I I probably made like three or four um, (laughs) different rankings. And just quick uh, precursor for um, kind of how I was thinking about this. Um, So example uh, on here, I have the Timberwolves ranked higher than the Lakers uh, on this playoff um, ranking. And do I think that the, the Timberwolves are like more likely to win a championship than the Lakers? Not necessarily. Um, but I'll factor in the fact that like the Timberwolves are very solid, right? They'll almost for surely get to the second, maybe third round. Whereas there's a world where the Lakers, maybe they do just actually stink and their offense never comes together and they get bounced first round because they're the seventh seed or eighth seed and they're playing Denver. They're playing, you know, a tough team. So, uh, I took that into account like as well, um, just saying, get into it. Uh, so number one, obvious team, the Denver Nuggets. Uh, in a playoff power poll, this team has to be number one, um, probably number one just in the entire NBA, really. Um, thinking about these guys, and I'm I'm excited to, like, listen to you guys talk about them as well. Uh, the hardest thing is coming up with, like, a legitimate, like, what what is the fault in this team? And I'm like, well, okay, if I'm a coach and we have to play the Denver Nuggets, how do I want to attack them? Like, what are we thinking? I'm like, man. I do not know where you start with this team, seriously. It's really tough, and I don't know if it's a cop-out or whatever, but I just kind of looked to their bench, and and that was my thing at the start of this season, and 
uh, I think they've kind of played decently well. Some of the young guys off the bench have, but just looking at it again um, in a playoff setting, I think this is a great opportunity to kind of take advantage of the Denver Nuggets when they send some of their guys to the bench. Relying on some of these young guys, I know Christian uh, Brown played well enough last year in the, in the postseason, but I, I still think that the jury could kind of be out on him and just all the young guys, uh, Strother, they still play uh, – DeAndre Jordan, which is just still crazy to me that that man's on the court. Is he going to be playing in the playoffs? He's on the know. court as we speak. Or last time I checked in on the game they're playing right now, he was, like, out there. I <laughs> cannot believe it. I truly can't. Um I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Like, can you, can, uh, can you guys tell me what did you see as some of the weaknesses uh, of Denver in the postseason? What, what do you guys see? Yeah, so if I could go first, I think the main weakness that I see is – uh, and this doesn't seem to be affecting their offensive rating very much, but they are shooting pretty poorly from deep right now. I think they're like ranked 27th in three-point mm-hmm. attempts and 22nd, and so bottom 10 in uh, three points made per game. Um, and I think their ability to get those three-point looks, you know, they're shooting at a decent percentage, uh, top 10 percentage-wise. They're shooting like 37%, but the volume of threes that they're getting is relatively low compared to the rest of the league, and I think that could be a concern going deep into the playoffs. Um, Ultimately, you know, like you mentioned, with the bench being kind of not a lot there for them, I believe that it's going to be a big struggle once they shorten that leash and shorten that rotation for the playoffs and going deep into the playoffs for another year. You know, this team with a fresh offseason not going deep into June or July could definitely shorten this rotation and get a lot out of it. But I think asking a team to do that back to back years is an incredibly tough challenge. Uh, So if they're not going to be able to get legitimate minutes from their young guys in the playoffs, then that's going to be a big issue, especially as guys like Aaron Gordon have been dealing with some uh, injuries that have had them on and off the court frequently uh, throughout the regular season so far. If those things aren't patched up by the postseason, then that's going to be something that will be really concerning. But, you know, they're still the Nuggets. They're still going to dominate. But if I were to look for, you know, weaknesses or issues that they'll have moving forward, those would be what I would see. Mike, are you seeing anything else or anything similar to that? Yeah, so similarly to you guys, I struggled to find what I thought was kind of a weakness with this Denver team. One thing that I did notice just looking at their four factors on cleaning the glass is they don't get to the line a lot, which especially in the playoffs, you like to have that kind of as a baseline just to get some easy points. But it's also not something they really did last year. So it's hard to say like, oh, this is something I'm really worried about when they've been able to, you know, actually win a championship with it so that was the best thing i could come up with um i also really struggled with x factor slash ceiling razor kaylin what did you go with for that uh i thought the x factor was aaron gordon um i thought there were definitely parts of that last postseason run where aaron gordon was the second most important player on the team (laughs) just um what he does defensively he does a lot of good things offensively too uh, that help them, but but I think his his main um, his main contribution is on the on the defensive end. This this is a, a team that you know they they generally play team defense. Like they have a smart coach, they have a smart scheme. Um, you, you know the the guys on the team aren't defensive stalwarts. 
but Aaron Gordon is a guy who um, just mobile enough. He was wreaking havoc all of the court last postseason. Um, huge, um, helping to defend the rim, rebounding. Um, so I think if he kind of continues to play at that level he did last year, I think that Denver has a good shot. And I just love Aaron Gordon because he's like one of the last, maybe the last true power forward left in basketball. Like he's a real power forward. Uh, which just feels super rare. But I, I think Aaron Gordon is the true X factor for the Denver Nuggets. Last samurai type beat. Seriously. Like yeah. power forward, like a true classic type power forward. Mm-hmm. Big strong no. guy, but can still move. Not really a shooter. Like those guys don't like now fours are long and skinny, like Tatum or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah, no, and I agree with that. I think that's definitely the X factor that I see for them, which is so crazy that, you know, you can depend you're like what third, fourth best guy is a guy who was the first guy on a team just a few years ago. And right. he's being able to contribute in this uh, and really excel in the role that he has. Uh, he bumps up a lot of their numbers. His on-offs look great. And so if he can get healthy, he's been dealing with a heel strain for about a month or two now, if not since the beginning of the season. And he's been able to play through it most of the time, but he gets a lot of uh, game time decisions and questionable tags on the uh, injury list uh before each game or every other game at the very least and so hopefully he can get to full health and that he'll stop bothering him because he's going to make a huge difference for them moving forward agreed with that sentiment for sure i looked like you lino at the on off numbers and tried to find somebody outside of their starting five to select as a ceiling raiser and it was really tough. And that really wraps into all three of my questions, um, because the biggest issue in general is probably their depth. The ceiling raiser outside of their top five is kind of hard to find. And then my unique question was, is it worth it to Michael Malone and the team as a whole to maybe sacrifice some regular season success to let guys like Watson, like Strother, get more minutes, get more burn in the regular season, knowing you'll probably be outscored in those minutes, but maybe prepare them for the playoffs. What what do you guys think of that sentiment? Do you think it's worth giving those young guys burn or do you think it, you know, is that juice really going to be worth the squeeze in that? What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, on in theory, I think it's a good idea, and it's something I'm always a proponent of for, and something that I've always enjoyed watching the teams that we watch play their young guys, especially when they know how to win bat- regular season basketball games already. You can kind of take that risk. Unfortunately, the numbers like without Jokic and without Murray in there, and with those young guys like Strouther Watson are pretty bad. Uh, they've got a lineup, they and they've given them a decent amount of. I mean, it's not a lot, you know, uh, their lineups uh, without those guys are like over like 600 minutes. And the lineup they have with like Christian Brown, Reggie Jackson, Najee, Strother, and Watson have played like 86 minutes together. And they're at negative 13.5 in those minutes, which is really bad. And so I don't know if they can risk it. Maybe you can mix them in one at a time and maybe it would be worth giving one of those guys a bigger role just to see how that goes and maybe swapping them out, but definitely not at the same time. And um, I would definitely with how close the Western conference is right now, uh, try to secure a playoff spot before you did that. So not a terrible idea, but something that I think comes with a lot more risk than some of the other teams and their young guys. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And as we're saying this, I'm also my wheels are kind of turning and I'm like, man, are we actually just saying like this team might need to make a trade? Like, it's weird to say that about a defending champ, but it I would be worried if I was a Nuggets fan that yeah. that Bruce Brown isn't going to emerge from those young guys. And I do feel like they're one guy that can kind of like the great thing about Bruce Brown was he could pretty much replace everyone in that starting lineup except Jokic. Mm-hmm. You know, you can play him at point, you can play him at the four like he did in Brooklyn. So somebody, maybe a versatile wing like that would be a good pickup for them. But it sounds like we all agree. I mean, the Nuggets are awesome. And, and I think the rest of this list is really going to be what's exciting to get into because we kind of yeah. all knew who would be number one. So if Kalen, if you don't have anything else, um, who'd you have at the number two spot? Uh, okay, so I actually saw so I start I stated that I made like three, four iterations of this list. The number one and two spot actually were the only spots that didn't change. Uh, and this one might be a tad controversial, but I do have the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, here at this number two spot. Wow. And I really think uh, Carl Anthony Towns is like a front runner. I really do. I think that he's awesome when things are going well, when other team doesn't have a good matchup for him, um, or just, just when they're winning and they're playing good basketball. Um in the playoffs, I really question their front court. You're relying on Carlton Towns and uh, Rudy Gobert, so it is tough. That being said, he looked fantastic from start to where we are now. It's hard to overlook that, and I do like the size. I think, I mean, I don't think I know. Size is back. Size is back in the NBA. You look at the best teams in the league; they all really have uh, talented centers or just talented front court players. Uh, so you're gonna need that size, and that's really important. That's why I didn't have the the Clippers higher up on the list. Um, I want to know where you guys are at with Rudy Gobert, who is having a fantastic season. He looks like the Rudy Gobert of Utah. Uh, you know, last year, you know, it was uh, took a slight step back. Are you sold on him in the playoffs? Do you think he loses a lot of his value, like we've seen historically? Um, where are you guys at? Because obviously, that's going to determine a lot of how well they do in the playoffs, Micah. So You're raising your hand over there. Yeah. So <laughs> I, and, and it's not like I have a, a strong take on this, but I do think Rudy Gobert is back to being a really impactful player. And I think, and a, a lot of smart people said this at the time, but a lot of his issues in the playoffs had a lot to do with the surrounding perimeter defense that was with him in Utah. And that is so different from the perimeter defense that he now has with him in Minnesota. I mean, there's some really good, really long defenders surrounding Mm -hmm. him. Um, They recently had that game against the Clippers. That was such an interesting stress test of kind of how Gobert would do against small teams. At one point, the Clippers went with no center and had Russ guarding Gobert and Gobert guarding Russ on the other end and it was interesting to watch them kind of navigate that and especially because that Clippers series with Utah was kind of Gobert's big playoff failure at least the most high profile one where even though Kawhi went out you know Terrence Mann had that huge 39 point game or whatever while Gobert was guarding him and that was when everybody was kind of done with Rudy as a playoff player but I think he's back athletically it looks like I don't think he's like improved especially offensively like he looks like the same player kind of one dimension right. on that end but I think the surrounding talent will allow them to be a successful playoff team you know not to the title or anything but definitely could see you know conference finals potentially so Lino what do you think 
Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think this version of Rudy Gobert is the best version, and he's always going to be his best self when he has some perimeter defense to lean on that allows him to play that help role and that um, help defense position. And so I think what we're seeing from him is what we'll get down the road, and I don't think their defense is going to be a big concern for them going into the playoffs. If anything, it's going to be the thing they lean on most. Um, interesting. I, I I still think that um I still think that I am pretty worried um about Gobert's ability to stay on the court in the playoffs. It it is pretty matchup dependent uh, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still think I have those concerns um, that he's just not going to be as effective. Um, now they do have uh plenty of options in terms of what they can run, they could always, you know, they could put Cat at the five and they could put Kyle Anderson in. Uh, you know, they obviously have Nas Reed, um, who's more of an offense-focused center. Um, but that being said, um, Lino, uh, who, who do you see as an X factor or a ceiling raiser for the Minnesota Timberwolves? I think as far as X factor is concerned, I'm definitely looking at Nikhil Alexander Walker and just seeing That's like right what is he going to be able to do for this team, and if he can get any more offensive juice from his minutes, I think that's going to be huge for them because I think you know this ties in a little bit to the issues I see is that I don't know that they have enough offensive firepower to really make it deep into the playoffs when defenses get a lot more tough and they already have a relatively low ranked uh, offensive rating right now. And I think obviously you're getting everything you can out of Ant, Cat, and Rudy. And, you know, you can't necessarily lean on Mike Conley at 36 years old to give you more than 11 points a game. So a guy like Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who um, really does a great job backing up Anthony Edwards and that role, um, I think if he could generate some more offense and get some more looks and maybe if they can generate some things for him, he can really uh, add a little bit more to what they're looking for and what they're kind of lacking right now in that space. Um, but, yeah, for him um, and the minutes that he's going to get in the playoffs, that's going to be huge. That's a great call. I looked at Nas as well. He's having a really nice year. I think his length on the perimeter has helped. And I know they're related and built similarly, and obviously they're very different players, but sometimes he has one or two drives a game where I'm like, you are Shay's cousin. I can tell. <laughs> and it's it's fun to kind of see that. So, yeah, that's a great call. I went a little more kind of high profile with my X Factor, and I went with Carl Towns. I just think, Kaylin, as you alluded to, this this concept of him as a as a player is really going to be determined in the playoffs. You know, he had a slow start last year, then had a strong finish in that Nugget series. He had some good showings, had some bad showings, but especially I think they have to play Gobert. And I think if in the playoffs, if one of those two bigs is going to get have to get benched, I think it'll be Towns because I don't think they'll trust their defense with um, Towns at the five. Towns at center, yeah, right, right. So – I'm going to be watching to see what Towns does. I pulled up a couple numbers just to see what he's been looking like this year. Um, he's down to 61% at the rim. Last season, that was 77%. Smaller sample size because he came back after an injury. But he is at uh, he's matching his career high at 42% from three, which is awesome. And it definitely helps out an offense that can get kind of crowded 
at times. And then I also saw, now this is from a couple days ago, but of guys averaging at least two post-ups a game, Towns is the second best in points per possession. So even in the minutes where Gobert's on the court, he's finding a way to be a very successful post-up player. And I think in the playoffs, attacking mismatches with his size, like there's not going to be a lot of fours that can deal with his size. I think that'll be really impactful for them. So that's who I had as my X Factor. Both really good ones. Uh, Definitely love the Nikhil Alexander-Walker one. Um, My X Factor was Rudy Gobert. I actually like how we have three different X Factors here. Uh, mine was Rudy, um, and I've seen him just absolutely punish teams this year uh, who don't have the right guy to deal with him down low, and I think that's a big deal because that's the thing that I'm looking at. Playoffs are all, playoffs are all about matchups, and whenever a team inevitably puts a guy on Rudy Gobert who has no business guarding him, like he's got to make that guy pay, and in the past he wasn't able to do that in the playoffs, and I think that's why he gets played off the floor um, because you can make you can make Rudy pay for – uh, you know, being having to guard somebody who who can stretch the floor, he's not comfortable out there uh, in space guarding, and obviously his biggest thing is rim protection. So you take away from the rim, and he's nowhere near as effective. So uh, whenever a, a team, I feel like inevitably puts somebody on him, puts a, a Russell Westbrook on him, he's got to be able to make that guy pay. Uh, not like I looked up or anything, but I, whenever Rudy gets you know eighteen, twenty points, they, they're almost unbeatable. Um, because he's going to get those points very efficiently and he's going to punish guys inside. So I think if if he can, uh, you know, continue to have dominant offensive games when appropriate, I think that that they're going to be incredibly tough uh, to beat. Uh, Cool. All right. Um, I think we can kind of keep it pushing uh, to our number three team and our Western Conference playoff rankings. This one was super tough. I shuffled this one around several times. Uh, This team, I had them as low as eighth at one point when I started off, but I have them here at number three now. It's the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, I really struggled with this one, but uh, let me me tell you guys what I'm thinking. Uh, So the Los Angeles Lakers just had a really awesome win last night against OKC Thunder. Not trying to be hyperbolic here, but here's why that win was important. Uh, the Lakers are two and one against the OKC Thunder this year. They're two and zero against the Clippers. They're three and one against the Phoenix Suns. Um, and what that tells me is that when the Lakers are ready to play and they're ready to play hard, particularly um, when LeBron is ready to give effort on the defensive end, um, they're a really tough team to beat. Now they were hitting shots against OKC last night. OKC is not a um, super strong defensive team. Uh, they, they do give up a lot of points. But um, when the shots are going down and the Lakers are engaged, they're super tough to beat. Now, they've had many games this season where that was not the case. I don't think the team likes Darvin Ham still uh, to this day. I, I, I don't think they, they like him as a coach. I don't think they enjoy having him around. But uh, that being said, Darvin did return to the starting lineup that went to the Western Conference Finals. This was the first time we've seen this. This year, that's uh, D'Lo, Austin, Le- LeBron AD, and Jared Vanderbilt is the fifth guy. So they, <clears throat> this, that's the lineup that had all the success last year. They couldn't use that lineup at the start of the season because Jared Vanderbilt was hurt. And uh, Austin Reeves was completely unplayable. He was horrible at the start of the year. So that wasn't really um, viable. But that being said, once AR was playing better and Vanderbilt was healthy, that lineup just didn't get burned. Like not even, not even like just some random point throughout the game. I think I think they played nine minutes total all season so far. But 
Now that's the new starting lineup. That is the best starting lineup, I think, moving forward. So I'm excited about that. I think that this team uh, can defend in uh, clutch time their top 10 scoring, top 10 uh, defense. So this is a this is a serious basketball team. LeBron and AD have won a championship before, right? And that meant a lot to me looking at the other teams. Uh, we haven't seen anybody climb that mountain yet, um, anybody below uh, the Lakers where I have them ranked. Uh, and that meant a lot to me. Um, biggest impediment is going to be the scoring guys. They gotta they gotta get more scoring punch in here. I think it's going to happen via trade. Um, it was good to see him put two playmakers in the starting lineup with LeBron and AD. It's going to help the scoring, but I think ultimately they're going to make a trade, which I also included in my analysis. I think that that's a safe bet to make. Um, so am I crazy? Am I being a homer? Is this too high? Uh, what do you think? Let's let's go, Lino. Uh, yeah, it's definitely too high, but I don't. Fault you for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't fault you for it. I think this team is not a team that any of the other playoff contenders really want to see in the first or second round of the playoffs. Just for the reasons you described, they're very much a team with the, you know, the basketball genius that is LeBron James and the skill of Anthony Davis and. The fact that while this team can't doesn't necessarily have the shooting right now, um, it doesn't mean that they can't get hot for four games in a playoff series when they're really locked in. Uh, I think that's the best point you made is that when this team is locked in, they play way above their talent level that they've shown statistically through the season so far. And so the fact that that's there does make them a strong playoff contender and does give them some more championship equity just given that they have a lot of championship talent on the team. But ultimately, some of their struggles that they have are still there from a shooting standpoint more than anything. Um, but offensively, I think they are still going to continue to struggle to generate offense, and Devin Ham is still going to continue struggling with you know, scheming and game planning uh, up until the playoffs just because he doesn't necessarily have enough time. Um, when it comes to the playoffs, if they can get there, you know, if they can lock in somewhere in the top eight or even have to go into the play-in um, tournament, then I think they will have the amount of time that Darnham really requires to scheme for different opponents and for LeBron to really lock in. Uh, for the next two weeks against a single opponent. But right now it's going to be a bit of a struggle. So I'd probably have them closer to like the seven or eighth um, team. But honestly, I'd probably could see them as high as like five or six, just because there's a lot of teams that look great right now that we still don't necessarily know if that's going to reflect in the playoffs. Whereas this specific Lakers team, like we saw what kind of playoff equity they have last year and so the idea that they could do that again next year is definitely plausible micah what do you think you guys covered some really good points and the lakers were the toughest team to rank for me i liked what you said kaylin at the jump that their floor might be as low as anybody's and their ceiling might be as high so it's like where do you it's so hard to rank them because in theory that would mean they're like dead in the middle but that doesn't really you know it's it's hard to suss that out. So I obviously my biggest issue, like everyone's, is the offense. And I think specifically for the playoffs, I definitely agree with you that when they're locked in, they can be a good enough offense in the playoffs in certain matchups. My fear would be I think that puts such a strain on LeBron and Davis that for 
three rounds, maybe even four rounds when we're talking about them being top three in the power rankings. It's, it's just the trust I have in the rest of that roster through multiple playoff rounds. It's just not that high. Reeves had a good mm-hmm. playoffs last year. I mean, he had multiple rounds where he was a productive player. But after that, it's it really gets worrisome. So that's why I had them lower. I definitely get what you guys are getting at, though. Um, and I do. I want to get into my X Factor just quickly because. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm such a homer, but I really think Gabe Vincent could help so many of the issues they have. Talking about someone you can trust in the playoffs. He should be back about two months before the playoffs start. I'm praying for a clean bill of health, if if nothing else, for my father's sanity. And so hopefully Gabe can get back, get some productive minutes. And, and I do think he could, you know, really help this team out. So do you guys have any, Kaylin, I'll start with you. Do you have any faith in Gabe? And if not, who is your X Factor? Shout Dude. out to Papa Lester. <laughs> Dude, at the start of the season, Gabe was my guy. I, I, I was saying that he was the most important Laker. Um, and I just put a whole lot of stock in NBA Finals starting point guard and that experience uh, and what that meant and the fact that he can guard his position. How about that? Is that like <laughs> – I mean, I love that. So um, I think he's important. My expected for the team was Jerry Vanderbilt um, because – he is a guy who the longer he stays on the court, the better. Okay. Now how long he stays on the court is up to him. Okay. And it's how long can you be and how effective can you be on the offensive end? This is a guy I was super frustrated with because I just felt like his offensive game was so lacking that a guy with those defensive uh, capabilities and you still can't really stay on the court, it's pretty tough. But lately, this is what I've seen from him that's given me some positive uh, some positive vibes. Dude's a pretty good passer. He is actually uh, a good decision maker. Um, he, he can make decisions out of the short roll. He can make decisions on, on the break. Um, he's a good cutter. Uh, he makes smart reads out of the dunker spot. Like he, he's he's a smart player. He's he's working he's working it through. He started the season uh, injured, and then when he first came back, he wasn't fully healthy. But he wanted to play in the tournament, so he came back before he was fully ready. So I think it took him a little bit to kind of get into the groove. If he can find a way to knock down at least one of those corner threes a game, that'd be awesome. Um, and. You know, we're better when he's on the court. He can help out with rebounding, which we're one of the worst offensive rebounding teams in basketball. Uh, obviously, he's a good defender. And having a guy, like, it, it's hurtful that to, to be on the court and not be paid attention to when you're on offense, but it can be helpful if you're smart and you know how to play it, you know how to how to cut when your guy's not looking at you, and, you know, if, if you can continue to make those good reads um, – it can be helpful. So that's kind of why he's my X factor because defensively we need his perimeter defense. We need his rebounding, but he's got to be able to stay on the court um, by being helpful on the, on the offensive end. Um, so that's my, that's my X factor. I had the Lakers as low as eighth when I started. That was the first mm-hmm. spot. I, I put them in the eighth spot. And then um, I kind of, I kind of looked at some of these other teams, and we'll get into it. Well, I kind of looked at some other teams differently. Lean, who uh, who was your X factor for the Lakers? Yeah, I would say Jared Vanderbilt is probably the first person I was thinking of, just for the exact same reasons. I just, and you're right in that 
it's not necessarily that he needs to be, you know, generating a lot of shots and taking a bunch of shots. But if he's not going to be a shot maker for this team or a play finisher in that way, he's got to be taking advantage of the space that he has, whether that be from a passing standpoint, whether that be from cutting. A lot of the games that I've watched with the Lakers, obviously he's had such a positive impact on the defensive end, but sometimes I kind of just see him standing around and that may just be a natural malaise of, what's going on with the team, like the culture wasn't there, you know, there's some issues there with the coaching and how everybody was feeling. And it's hard to really get out there and run around and make cuts when you don't like your coach or you don't feel like things are going well. Right. But if he can do those things and, you know, cut to the basket and get to open space on the floor and make passes out of that open space, um, he doesn't necessarily have to be a great shooter, but offensively he, he has to be He needs to be Haywood Highsmith. That's yeah. it. The bar's exactly. not that high, dude. Just yeah. like B. Haywood, if you're wide open, like, you know, 34% on wide open catching shoots. Is that crazy? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I think uh, that's a good one. And I think, you know, the same thing for Cam Reddish. Uh, that guy's obviously a defensive, and he's, you know, scoring a little bit more than Jared Vanderbilt is um, yeah. game to game and uh, shooting it, or at least attempting to shoot it. A little bit more and so but ultimately those guys are only going to be able to carve out legitimate minutes and make a legitimate impact on this team if they can find a way to be offensively relevant cool cool um we i feel like i feel like with the lakers we've already beaten the trade machine to death i, I really don't want to rehash anymore <laughs> I, I i do think it's a safe bet that they're going to make a move which is another reason why i had them a little higher because i'm just expecting uh, d not to be there um mm-hmm. which i think will, will probably give them a good boost um but that being said i, I there, there's a team a little low on the list i can't wait to, to get down there because i think most people would have them higher uh but are you guys cool to move on yes sir Cool, cool, cool. All right, going down to number four, uh, I have the Los Angeles Clippers uh, right here. So back-to-back, we got both L.A. teams. Uh, I had the Clippers at three when I first did the list. Um, But my deal is, like, with the Timberwolves, I just gave them respect for how they've played thus far. I'm not, like, a big Timberwolves believer, but based on how they've played this far, you kind of have to respect what they've been able to do. With the Clippers, I just don't feel that way because I'm not going to – tell myself that James Harden is not going to do exactly what he always does year after year in the playoffs, and that's mostly be a pumpkin. He has like a game every now and then where he, he comes to play, but I think mostly um, he takes a big step back, and I'm just going to assume that it's going to happen again, and I'm going to assume that either one of Kawhi or PG will be hobbled. Maybe they'll still be able to play, but I think they'll be – maybe probably have something going on. So I think that's going to kind of weaken them. Maybe that's unfair for me to include that, but I don't know. I, I just I just couldn't look past it. And James Harden actually was my like my main uh, impediment for this team. I also have their front court issues uh, as well. Uh, like I mentioned, the Lakers are 2-0 and against them, and the main reason for that is in the fourth quarter, um, Ty Lue just doesn't feel comfortable playing Ivica Zubak. Uh, who is a good good center. He does definitely good work for them. Um, but teams who have a guy who is good at matchup hunting, Shea, De'Aaron Fox, LeBron James, uh, it's tough to have him out there because he gets Luka. destroyed in pick-and-roll coverage. He's 
It just it just does not work. And they tried a myriad of things. I mean, Tyloo's a smart dude. He, he has ideas, but no matter what they try, like Zubak and, and pick and roll coverage, uh, and, and they run drop coverage. He's just food. But even if he like, I've seen him try and like show up the level and do different things, but none of it works. And that's a big issue considering we. I mean, we talked about the the big man in the Western Conference in the playoffs. Like they're gonna need, you know, they're gonna need a solution for that. They they have some five some some uh, five out lineup options uh, to kind of space guys out and kind of go the other way with it. They have some small ball options that they can throw out there. And I do trust Ty Lue, but uh, I had them four below the Lakers because of what I mentioned about James Harden and the, the health of the stars and uh, the front court issue. I think those three things combined. Uh, had my fourth. What do you guys think? Was it, is that too low? Is that too high? And uh, what are you worried about, Michael? Let's start with you. So yeah, I I'm pretty high on the Clippers. Um, I had them number two and mm. behind the Nuggets. And you, it's you love James Harden. You love listen, him. Listen, I do not mind third. Oh, will you take him over Derek White? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. That's all I was thinking about. Was, oh my god, he loves James Harden. Listen, <laughs> I like third option James Harden. Okay, what team has been to the conference finals almost every year the past five years? Boston Celtics, right? With that mm-hmm. Tatum Brown combo. Mm-hmm. What team steamrolled them and swept them in the first round? The Brooklyn Nets with James Harden as the third option. It's really the only time we got to see a full series of it, but he was picking them apart. And I feel like he can do a similar thing in the playoffs. If you go back, he wasn't putting up super gaudy numbers, but that offense was humming because he was getting two put on the ball. He could get to the step back if he needed to, but he could set up the two best offensive players on the team. Then it was Kyrie and KD. If everyone can stay healthy, it'll be Kawhi and PG this time. And listen, I am not trying to pretend he has not had some playoff failures, and he might just totally disappear. And if he does, then th- then they'll be in trouble because there's only so much talent left on this team after that trade. Um, I think Zubak was out last game, and they still didn't even play PJ Tucker. So a lot of the depth that used to help the Clippers is gone Sheesh. now. But I think that offensive ceiling is still there with Harden as a table setter. But, Kalen, you did allude to my unique question was, are they comfortable with this center rotation going into the playoffs? Because I, I right. don't think they should be. So those are my general thoughts on the Clippers. Lino, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think you make a good point. And I would just add that even if James Harden turns into a pumpkin, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are playing at such a level to where it really doesn't matter. Um, that shows a little bit in some of the numbers. You know, James Harden on the court is a plus 8.6, but off the court he's a plus 1.8. Um, and even Russell Westbrook, who, you know, struggles, and is, the team is relatively worse when he's on the floor. There's still a plus 2.6 when he's on the floor. And so they're just able to – Kawhi Leonard is playing out of his mind. He's – really shown like what I was alluding to at the beginning of the season in my preseason rankings. I had them pretty high because 
I was under the philosophy that if Kawhi Leonard is going to be himself and Paul George is going to be himself, it doesn't really matter if they take a bunch of mechanics to the playoffs. They're going to be able to do great things. It's just a matter of them being healthy and playing well. And, you know, we saw Kawhi struggle through the beginning of the season, but I think he's mm-hmm. back into midseason form. And with that, Absolutely. you know, James Harden is just a shot chucker in the playoffs. Um, that's going to be more than enough than for them to at least make it pretty deep into the playoffs. And so I have them kind of at that third, uh, fourth ranking, but I'm definitely not okay. mad at them being fourth. Okay. Um, so, Micah, your your James Harden third option take, it's the only thing that maybe could save you because last time we saw this guy in the playoffs, he shot 38% at the rim. Okay. Mm. Not a lot of lift, not a lot of burst, and we saw him struggle to beat his man off the dribble, and that was last year. Now, he was the second option on that team. Uh, and Joel Embiid was uh, either out or hampered on a lot of those games. So kind of like a 1A option, to be completely honest. So I'll give you that much. The last time we saw him, he wasn't great, and that's kind of burned into my head. Uh, But they do have Kawhi and PG on this team getting most of the attention. There are some games where uh, James is kind of doing mostly distributing, and uh, some of the looks that James gets on this team is absolutely insane. He's wide open, catch-and-shoot threes a lot of times. So – that is good for him, so that could be a saver. Um, does this team have any ammo left in a in a potential trade, or are they completely tapped out? What's I think I think that they. Yeah, I I don't think they have a lot left. Um, a lot was made of Terrence Mann and the James Harden negotiations before that trade was actually finalized. I don't think he's Mm -hmm. somebody that's going to draw like a lot of value around the league. I like Terrence Mann a lot as a player. Um, Mm -hmm. He was, I, he, well, I have a whole tangent, but he went to Florida state. I knew he was going to be good. I don't know why he wasn't drafted, but I, he's older. He, you know, he played all four years in college. So it's not like a young rebuilding team is going to be willing to, you know, give up a player for him. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're the Clippers. It might just be a situation where they're willing to take on money, you know, that other people aren't. But yeah, in my mind, I think this is pretty much going to be the roster. Maybe some, you know, moves around the margin, like we alluded to, maybe a center or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ultimately, I just don't feel like there's enough, you know, trade targets out there for what they need, which is mainly a center. You know, Pascal Siakam is a name, but. Uh, we already get in some news that he might be going out east potentially. And um, without that, I don't know that there's any centers that you would really want to give any large amounts of either draft compensation or any of the pieces that they have currently to help bolster up that role right now. So they should probably stand pat and see what they can do with this roster because all of it's, again, just going to depend on how healthy their starting five is. Michael, you would take the Clippers in a series against the Timberwolves? I would, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. my. Yes. Yeah. What? Still, I'm, actually. I'm lower on the Wolves, I think, than a lot of people. I have them sixth. So the the Ooh. reason be, <laughs> the reason being wow. is – They beat us in two games, and you're like, oh, no. Like, is that yeah. what it was? <laughs> <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> So they're a middling offense, right? Like right now, pre-cleaning the glass, they're ranked 15th. They've been between 15th and 20th most of the year. And I love Anthony Edwards. I think he's going to be 
a superstar first team all NBA guy. I don't think he is right now. And I think what he especially needs to be right now is an elite passer and playmaker to elevate this offense in the playoffs. Cause he's going to see some coverages he has not seen yet. And he's super improved. He's super good. I don't think he's ready to elevate a struggling playoff offense. So that's why I'm a little lower on the Wolves. I think the defense will be great. I don't think they're going to be able to score consistently against good playoff defenses. Hmm. Oh, man. I I can't wait till we talk about another team. Um, do, you, do you guys have anything else to add for the, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves? Cool, cool, cool. Uh, let's keep it moving, man. Number five. Uh, oh, sorry, Tim was that was it was just the Clippers just there. My bad. Um, number five, we have the Dallas Mavericks, um, and this is a team. I think I'm about ready to say that they're not going to finish eleventh, like I said at the start of the season. That's not happening. Uh, that was a bold prediction there. That's that's all right. Sometimes you miss those, um, but I have the Dallas Mavericks five uh, because. It just kind of feels right to have them in the middle. They're an elite offensive team. Uh, Luka Doncic has been playing at an MVP level. Um, uh, Kyrie Irving has been fantastic uh, whenever they needed him to be. Um, Tim Hardaway is uh, an explosion randomly. What didn't happen? Um, but that being said, um, the defense, not only does the defense seem not quite serious enough, but – some of uh, Jason Kidd's comments are actually pretty disturbing to me uh, in terms of, ah, we don't need defense. We're just going to play offense. Oh, you're the coach of the team, bro. Like, that's <laughs> that's not okay. Hey, just have that philo- the same thing. <laughs> he did. He really did. That that type of stuff, like, if that – when that, when that's coming from the coach, the head coach of the team, like, how do you even yell at guys about not giving serious effort defensively? When your philosophy is, ah, we stink on defense. Let's just load up on the offensive end. Uh, so that's incredibly troublesome, and it just makes them feel not like a serious championship contender. That being said, I do respect the fact that we've seen Luka at least make it to the conference finals in the before. We we know he, he, he can and probably will uh, continue to go nuclear in the playoffs. But that being said, uh, they have some guys who have played well this year who I think are complete question marks. Uh, in the playoffs. I'm talking about Dante Axum, uh, Derek Jones, Derek Lively. I mean, just pretty much a, a lot of their role players uh, who have played well, just not confident that they're going to continue to do that, particularly hit shots um, when those sh- shots are really important. And um, so I think that that's kind of my main impediment for them, just uh, defense and lack of playoff experience with some of their role players. Um, what do you guys think? Um, if, if is there anything other than like defensive concerns, I guess that you are worried about for the Mavs, Lena? Let's go over here. Yeah, I think you know. Obviously, they have a lot of talent, and they've got some great contributions from your role players, which is what you want. You know, every team we're asking, like, hey, are your role players going to show up? Because we're not seeing it in the regular season, and so to have your role players showing up in the regular season, it. You know, you have concerns, are they going to continue doing that? But the fact that they're doing it now is about as positive of a sign as you can get. I think their biggest concern for me is honestly just maybe focus is the right word for it. But our friend of the show, Jaren, uh, oftentimes, <laughs> uh, shout out to Jaren, oftentimes Shut talks up, Jaren. about 
how, you know, he always comes into the group chat and he's talking about, it's like, okay, so we beat uh, the Timberwolves, but we lost to the Grizzlies. And then we beat this great team and then we lost to this terrible team. And so they do seem to struggle with playing down to their opponents and playing up to their opponents. They don't necessarily stay consistent and, you know, play their version of basketball um, and win games that they should win. And, you know, that's not always the most important thing, but one of the, you know, key signs of a successful playoff team is that they beat the teams they're supposed to beat. Um, And so that is maybe a consistency standpoint, given that they do depend on their role players a little bit more than they would want to. um, Or it's just a focus thing night to night throughout the season. It's a long season and having a few young guys or guys who haven't been really in a playoff contending rotation for a long time, getting all those guys to focus night in and night out can be a challenge, but that's something hopefully they can kind of clean up going into the playoffs. Micah, are you seeing anything else out there? You guys covered a lot of it. My under my biggest issue on my spreadsheet for the Mavs, I had a little bit of everything as the first sentence there. And that's what it feels like. And I think a lot of it is health. Like a lot of guys on this team have missed time. So I, I don't mm-hmm. want to, you know, not mention that because that is important. Um, last time I checked, they were 10th in offense, 18th on defense. Uh, you'd expect the offense to be a little better when Luca and Kyrie are on the court. I think it is going to be awesome. But what I'm curious is I want to make a guess here and say we all have the same player as the X factor. Because, Kalen, like you were saying, there's a lot of unproven guys on this team. Who's going to step up and be a third player they can really trust in the playoffs? And I don't think he is yet, but I think within the season he could become that player. I think they need him to become that player. So my X factor is Josh Green. Mm. Mm. And he, he can do a lot for this team. I know Derek Jones Jr. has looked good. I worry about him on the floor. During the playoffs, I, you know, I looked at the numbers with Luca, Kyrie, and Josh Green all on the court at the same time. And of the different combinations with one off, two off, or all three together, the best net rating is all three together. Like, I think for this team to thrive, all three of those guys can work together. Now, the two behind them, I assume it's going to be Grant Williams and Lively. It might be Dwight Powell. Sorry, Jaron. We'll, we'll see what happens in the playoffs. But who did you guys have as your X factors? I'll start. Uh, Kalen, do you want to go first? Dude, this was tough. I thought the X factor for the Mavs was tough. Um, I think if you ask a Mavs fan, the X factor is, is Dwight Powell going to lose us the entire series by himself single-handedly? <laughs> that- that's what they it's like a, but I also feel like I have a, like a negative X factor. It's like, are you going to suck or are you going to actually do things? Because mine was Grant Williams. And I was like, are you going to be a complete pumpkin for this team? Or are you going to be a playoff contender like you were for the Celtics? Like, you were just a good basketball player a couple months ago. But I will say, to Grant Williams' defense, we've seen a lot of players who are very successful in other systems come to Dallas and just be pumpkins for no reason and then leave Dallas and be perfectly fine again. And so I don't know what that says about the Mavericks or about Jason Kidd's system, but, you know, Grant Williams has to figure it out because, you know, they brought him in on purpose. That wasn't an accident. That wasn't something they were settling for. They thought he was going to be a great contributing basketball player for this team. They anticipated him possibly even starting and, um, you know, 
it just has kind of sucked so far. So, you know, usually an X-Factor is like a guy we wanted to get uh, as a floor raiser. But my X-Factor is more of like, can you like help them get their floor from so far down? (laughs) Here's the thing with Grant Williams. uh, And this is why I think people have kind of messed up with him. Um, When he was in Boston, he was like an integral part of guarding Giannis. Uh, and that conference final that sent them to, uh, or no, I think they lost that one. No, no, no. They, they, you know, these East teams, like they've played so many years, I, I, I lose track of which was which. But he was an integral part in, in guarding Giannis um, in Boston. He's very matchup dependent. He's very matchup dependent. If 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 you have the right guy for him to guard, it's 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 usually who's he going to guard? Is there a guy for Grant to guard? And to be effective, and you know, you can use them offensively. You can figure that out. But who's he going to go on the defensive end? And if there's not really a guy there, it's not a ton Grant's going to give you. And to be honest, just when I look at the team, I don't even feel like they need Grant every game, every series. Um, I didn't have Josh Green as my X factor because I just don't believe in Josh Green. Like I don't think he's a bad player, but in a playoff setting, I, I don't think um, he's the one I at least want to be relying on. Uh, I really struggled. I, I, I wanted to talk about Derek Lively as a potential X factor, although I'm just I'm just not sure that uh, even though he is their starting center, how important is does he really kind of change if they win or lose? I'm not sure. Maybe on the defensive end, he he, he could have uh, some tough matchups. Um, Tim Hardaway is a guy who can go nuclear, can really help win you a game. Um, I don't think they're going to have the same X factor series to series. I think I think this one. I don't know if that's cheating to answer it this way, but I think series to series, the X factor for them mm-hmm. is going to change depending on matchup. Absolutely. Especially if they ever end up facing the, like the Nuggets, like that's going to be a very interesting matchup for Lively, who obviously does well in his role. But you know, throwing a rookie out there to you know the biggest yeah. baddest shark in all of the sea, <laughs> it's going to be very interesting to watch. But. I agree that I think you've very accurately like placed them. I think they have the talent to do well. Luca is just freaking nuclear every single night. And if he can keep that up, which he's shown to be able to do through playoff series, and especially if they match up against the Suns, they can kind of go ahead and scratch that in as a dub because he's going to go out there and put up 50 burgers four times in a row. So we'll see what happens. Do one more note before before we like move on. I, I feel like – so this is the reason – and I'm wondering, so so do you guys think that the the Mavericks should be ranked higher than the Lakers on this? I had them higher, yeah. Okay. Lee? Yeah. I think just really? offensively. Really? I think I just you lean towards Luka, their offense. You can see Luca and Kyrie hoisting this trophy before LeBron and AD. Really? When you ask it like you that. Luka and Kyrie? When you, you ask it like that, Lakers no, but I would – I would see the Lakers getting kicked out in the first round on accident before I saw the Mavs getting kicked out. <laughs> that, like, that is I can't. I can see the Lakers being in the finals more than I could see the Mavericks being in the finals, but I could see the Lakers not making it <laughs> out of the yes. first round more than yes. the Mavericks can. So it's like a yes. weird 50-50 thing there. Michael. Yeah. Watching the Lakers try and keep up with the Mavericks offense – in the oh, God. <laughs> I, it's hard to picture it's it's hard to picture that was always my tiebreaker if i was between two teams is okay if they played each other and i, I would mm-hmm. pick the mavs but 
Okay, hear me out on this. This is kind of my philosophy. This is how I see it. When you have size and you have uh, defensive versatility, you have solid defenders, you at least have a chance. If you can make some shots, you can win any night. That's why even when the Lakers stink, they beat OKC. When you are an offensive team, you have a chance to lose every night. You, that's why they just lost to the, you know, the Grizzlies with nobody on their team. Be, you know, so I just feel like, in a in a playoff setting, if the shots go, and I mean, it's it's not crazy that you know the Lakers will make some shots in a series. Michael, you said it yourself; they could get something to go. Um, same thing with, with with the Timberwolves. If they can get some shots to go, if they can get some offense going, uh, it feels more reliable to to be leaning on that defense. Uh, because they do have stars. I mean, this it's not like they can't mm-hmm. score at all. They're not inept offensively. Uh, so I think that's why I kind of lean defense. But I feel like you guys are leaning offense. I mean, it is 2024. So. Yeah. I'm fair. also – I always – and this – I shouldn't even put this on the record. But <laughs> – well, Yes, let's hear this. <laughs> in, the, in the playoffs, again, if it's close, I always side with best player. And I think Luka's better than LeBron now. Wow! In the playoffs, yeah, you should have kept you should have kept that off the record, my boy. This is oh, crazy. Wow! This, this is going spicy. straight yes, to TikTok. I like, it. This is I, going like I like. I need it. you to hit one of them sound bites real quick. <laughs> <laughs> that just scared the shit out of our audience. <laughs> they did not know we had access to that technology. <laughs> this is crazy, bro. What's going on? Uh, well, oh, if anybody was closing off mid-episode, I hope we woke you up there. Um, I'm not this mad at it. I don't agree. I like it. I don't agree, but I'm not mad at it. I uh, like it. I like it. Um, let's keep this thing moving. This is uh, number six. Number six is, is who I want to talk about. This is this is the one. Uh, okay, so number six, I have the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, <laughs> so appropriate. Um, <clears throat> And this is a team, like I said, the Lakers are 2-1 and one against them. We just beat them last night. Uh, obviously, I watched that game. And I was getting Minnesota Timberwolves vibes from them. Like, they're good, but in the playoffs, there's not a realistic chance. <laughs> uh, there's not a realistic chance for them, I, I don't think. Uh, here's why. Um, one, um, I think they're just too small and I know Chet is long as they come. Um, but bully ball is, is a great, great option against them. They, 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 they just cannot stop AD and LeBron just going downhill, going through guys chests. And I think the big reason I noticed this kind of late in the game because the Lakers were rightfully so sending a ton of attention uh, as Shea Gill's way. And they were uh, still a, 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 they were putting a lot of pressure on him. They were sending two at him, uh, uh, blitzing him at times, giving him a lot of different looks. And whenever Shea, maybe it's just a regular season game, so he's like, you know, you know whatever. But whenever he kind of just passes out of it, which, you know, you could argue is the right thing to do a lot of times, the team is so less potent. I'm talking about OKC. Okay, they're so less effective offensively and 
I think that's what he can get ready for. That's what they're gonna see. They're gonna they're gonna be throwing uh, anybody who plays okay single players. They're gonna be throwing a ton at him. Different looks, different players. You know, blitzing him, doing all things like that. I think it's gonna be tough for the offense to deal with that. Um, guys, this young like they've been stellar in the regular season. I think it's safe to assume. I could be wrong. No, no one knows. I think it's safe to assume that those guys take a step back and just how cohesive and efficient that they've been all season. I think that that's not fair to expect that. And the Lakers controlled that game. If you guys have some free time, go back and play a little bit of it. They they really controlled the game. And the Lakers had like 16, 17 turnovers in that game. So it ended up being close at the end because the Lakers are the Lakers. They just didn't give a damn. Um, he kind of came back and made it a game. But the Lakers were in control the whole time. And I think in the playoffs, it's not just L.A. There are other teams that just have grown-ass men who are strong and they know how to play and they're going to run through OKC. I think OKC could lose in the first round depending on matchup. They're ranked second right now, so they're the second seed. They get the wrong team. Hell, the Lakers. They get the Lakers, who could be the seventh seed. Like, it's going to be some first-round upset lookout, I think. Um where did you guys have OKC, first of all? And do you think that there's anything to what I'm saying? Is there any upset, first-round upset potential for OKC? What do you guys think? Yeah, so I, I had okay. – Oh, you go ahead, Lino. Uh, I was just going to say I agree. I think I have them relatively low, just solely on the fact nice. that they're just depending yes. on a lot of really young guys, lots of great talent. And I think a year, two years from now, they're really going to go all the way. Like, this is a team I see in the finals in the next few years, Um, uh, you know, barring the Nuggets don't just continue to do this for the next five. Um, They have a lot of great talent, but you're just relying on, like, four or five guys who are under the age of 23, and they're just going to run into some very unique situations in the playoffs and win. Yes. Hall of Fame coaches and these Hall of Fame players uh, really lock in for some of these guys who are just going to be for the first time facing an opponent who's been training all week for them. <laughs> uh, it's just going to be different, and Shea's not going to have as much help. I think Shea has the talent to really step up and do what he does in the playoffs. I just don't necessarily trust how many young guys – um, they depend on in this situation right now. And so I think they'll probably see a bit of an early exit. Uh, I don't think they have the same problems as the Cavaliers did last year, but and I don't see them just getting like swept by some team that was up by all intents and purposes, <laughs> less talented than them. But mm-hmm. I think they are going to probably run into an issue and could see a first round exit if they run into the wrong team. Michael? I, uh, I, I have had... The OKC Kool Aid. I'm, I'm all in. I have them no! third. No, third in the I playoffs. I do. What? I do. Yeah, and and Kalen, I agree with a lot of what you were saying. My unique question, I felt like you had already read it when you were talking, is mm-hmm. is Jalen Williams ready to be the number two player on a conference finals team? Because right. that's what this is going to come down to. Shea will be able to get his, but Shea, top of the scouting report, take him away for yes. every single team. Yes. And I'll also, not to cover too much at once, but also leading to my X factor, which is Isaiah Joe. I feel like if mm. they want to be at a good playoff team, he's going to be needing to play almost all of Giddy's minutes. 
Giddy can be like a six man really? point guard. Isaiah Joe's defense has been getting better. I followed him since Arkansas. I'm a big fan. And he his defense is getting better in Philly. I think it's even better now. But his shooting does so much for the way this team drives. And especially him being like a Duncan Robinson, Buddy Heald level shooter instead of Giddy being out there makes such a huge difference. I was looking at the two lineups that have played the most for OKC this year, and it's the starters, and then it's the starters with Isaiah Joe instead of Giddy. The one with Isaiah Joe instead of Giddy has a 138 offensive rating, a 104 defensive rating, so they're plus 34 per 100 possessions. I mean, they've been blowing teams out of the water when this offense is, or when this group is on the court. So everything you guys said, I definitely give credence to. My number one cause of concern was offensive rebound rate. They give up a third of their opponent's misses back to their opponent. Like mm-hmm. teams offensive rebound at a 31% rate. So mm-hmm. one out of every three shots they get back. That's a and problem. And you're taking Josh Giddy out of there and adding a guy who's not really going to help with that. Yeah, who's not. Yeah, that's true. Who's not as big. But I think I believe in Chet. I believe in Chet since Gonzaga. I think his rim protection is going to be real in the playoffs. I don't think he's one of these guys you can just like bully as far as perimeter defenders attacking him or perimeter players attacking. There are definitely Jokic's of the world that can abuse him. But I mean, that's, you know, no one can guard Jokic. So not as worried about that. And I definitely have a couple teams over them, but I do have the Thunder three. So. I covered a lot there. Sorry to go on a tangent. Um, Kaylin, I'll throw it back to you first. What are your thoughts on that? And then did you have a, a X factor or a unique question? Yeah, that was interesting. Um, I like that you touched on Josh Kitty. Josh Kitty was my X factor, uh, kind of for some of the reasons you laid out. Like, I, I definitely – I love Isaiah Joe. Isaiah Joe uh, is an absolute sniper. And defensively, he's not a cone. Like, dude works super hard on the defensive end. Like, he wants to be a good defender. That's not really where he is right now, but – at least he like wants it, so that that is good. But that being the case, uh, Josh Giddy is he, he dude is drama Iron Man. I'm 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 not I'm not in the Josh Giddy fan club. I thought it was super awesome that the Lakers boot the shit out of him every single catch. I'm glad that the NBA is still doing that. Let's kind of keep it rolling, guys. Uh, number seven, I have the Phoenix Suns. Um, and I think after this point, like, even though I was a little down OKC's playoff potential, I I think that there's definitely, like, a way that they could end up in a conference finals with a real chance to maybe surprise us and get to the finals. There's kind of a road I could see with Phoenix. It's really hard for me to get there. I just don't think they they have enough. I like KD. Obviously, I like Book. Uh, I'm not really a big Bradley Beal guy. I'll be interested to see kind of how he performs in the playoff, if he can make it there. Uh, which is definitely, you know, we'll have to see about that. Um, but what I have written down for um, what's going to hold them back, I have uh, front court um, and their depth. So I'm just not liking the Nurkic, the Nurkic experience. I don't think I would. I'm not a high uh, Nurkic guy. I don't think it'd work out. I don't think it's been been great so far. And I think that he does a few things well. But defensively in the playoffs, I think he's a complete turnstile Um and that's going to be trouble. And then their depth, um, Grayson Allen's been, like, awesome for this team randomly. Uh, I think Eric Gordon has been good at spots. And then other times, um, I think he has not been as good as, as you would have wanted. Um, but their depth, I mean, outside of, you know, 
I guess you could say big three, but really the, the top two guys you can trust. I think Books is even taking a step back this year based on kind of what they're expecting from him. It's not typically what he's best at in terms of having to handle so much of the distribution load. So even he's not been as effective. And when you just consider that, like th- there's just no way they're going to just muscle, you know, teams into, you know, 45 point scoring performances and just, you know, do that to guys. So, I don't expect this team making a serious push, although they do have some high-end talent. So they made it seventh on the list. Um, do you guys have any higher? No, I honestly probably yeah. have them lower. They just uh, – <laughs> I don't even know who I have them below, but they're just lower than whatever you just said because I just don't – I don't believe in this. Team. There's so many teams that they can run into in the playoffs that they're going to have immense struggles with from pretty much every position that I just don't have a lot of faith in what they can do in the playoffs. Do they have really talented guys? Is is Kevin Durant and Devin Booker capable of carrying a team through the first round? Sure, but this is a team that actually has real championship finals equity. I would say much less than the Lakers at this point. Yeah, it's they just – this sounds like – you know, not really like a smart take, but they don't feel real. And I think part of that's because <laughs> they just haven't played precise. together. So like we don't have a real sample size, but I'm, I was looking at like, okay, who's my X factor going to be? What's my biggest question? And it's just like, man, like the whole roster is a question. The whole roster feels like an X factor outside of the top three guys. And I'm, it's just tough. I settled on Josh Okoge as my X factor. His defense activity is good. He's shooting under 60% at the rim and under 25% from three. So he's given him almost nothing on offense. So, and, and in the playoffs, like, I don't know if you can play Nurkic. So then are you having to go to Durant at the five in the playoffs? So I, I struggled with Phoenix. I, I really don't know. I feel like my take on them the whole time has been they're probably going to get bounced in the second round, and, and that's still kind of how I feel. They'll probably beat somebody in the first round. Assuming really? I think so, yeah. They just seem too talented to lose in the first round. But the but the West is stacked, so, I mean, depending right. on how it, how it plays out. They're heavily matched the over the Thunder in a first-round matchup? That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, if they had the Thunder, it, it would be a good matchup. But I think, be, I think I might take the Suns in that matchup. That series would be awesome. I, it would I would be. take the Thunder, but like we've established, I'm higher on them than most. But that that would be a crazy matchup. What about yeah, the Timberwolves? Hmm. I think I'd take the Suns over the Timberwolves. I just don't know when we started trusting Carl Towns and Rudy Gobert in the playoffs. Hey, um, through Nas Reed, everything is possible, baby. Yeah, that team is loaded too, though. Like, is it loaded with playoff guys like Kyle Anderson, yeah. Nikhil Alexander yeah. Walker? Like, those are guys you're like, yeah, I'm I like. To- I like Mike Conley. Yeah, I like Jaden. I, I like Mike Kyle Anderson. Conley. He, he's the, at least in the playoffs. Are you disrespecting Mike Conley? He's been, he's he's still got some youth, man. He's been working hard on the, on the defensive end this this season. He's he, he's working on these. If we're talking about guys number six, seven, and eight, I definitely trust the Timberwolves six, seven, and eight more than the Suns. Josh Okogie. <laughs> like for I sure, just, 
For uh, sure. But the problem is, on the flip side, it's Carl Towns versus Devin Booker, and it's Rudy Gobert versus true. Bradley Beal. And then yeah, I'd well, still give the know. edge to KD over Ant. Yeah, that's fair. I don't think it's crazy. I just don't agree. Um, the more we're talking about it, I, I really hope we get this series too. Really, whoever Phoenix plays is going to be so yeah. interesting. Yeah. But my greater point is, is like I don't see them necessarily getting a very high seed, and I that's don't true. love their odds against those top four teams that we kind of have up there right now. That's like true. The I, Clippers. Think I don't see like them the beating the Clippers. Seed. I don't see them beating the Nuggets by any fashion. And in some way, if the especially if the Mavericks make their way up to like the third or fourth seed for some reason, like they get a lot of wins and they end up seeing uh, the Suns in a first round matchup. Like there's just a lot of matchups like that. You know, there's some that they can win, like against the Wolves, against the Thunder. But there's several that are like, there's no way I can see them making it out of the first round against these teams if they can't get a higher like home court advantage seating um that's but, fair yeah, those are yeah. my general thoughts on the suns right now the pelicans are number eight uh i am worried about a lot of things for the Pels. honestly they're a good basketball team they're very deep um they kind of have a committee thing going on they don't really have like a, a true number one guy on the team but they just have a deep roster where everybody contributes to well coach. Shout out Willie Green. He's really a smart coach, uh, knows what he's doing. And I'm worried about a lot of things. I'm worried about Zion in the playoffs. I'm interested to see how that looks. Obviously, uh, a couple years ago when the Pels did make the playoffs, uh, Zion was injured, so we didn't get to see how he looked. Um, But definitely interested to see um, how his defense holds up in the playoffs. Um, I'm interested to see – and the defense as a whole, Valanchunas, um, he's always an interesting player. Um, is he going to be able to n- knock down a few uh, open looks? Is he going to be a guy that gets completely ignored and gums up the offense? Um, so things like that. Is there anything that interests you about the Pels? And do you, I mean, we talked about a little bit, but do you think the Pels deserve this eighth spot over the Kings? I think it's been very interesting, you know, if you were someone who hasn't been watching Pelicans basketball and you were just watching like First Take or ESPN, you would think the Pelicans were having a pretty rough season, all things considered. But right now they're 24 and 17. They've won seven of the last 10 games uh, surrounding all the conversation around Zion and his health, you know, he's still having a pretty solid season, all things considered, uh, you know, averaging 22, 5, and 5 effectively uh, is pretty solid. Like, you're right. It's a great point that you made that it doesn't feel like this team has a specific superstar who's, you know, Mm -hmm. going out there doing like 30 and 10 or something of that nature. But when you have three guys averaging 20 points, five assists, and five rebounds, it's like, well, you kind of have everything you need there by committee. And so I was just very surprised at how well this team has done over the past few weeks, given kind of the narrative around them on the national level. And so I'm fine with them being in this spot. I'd be very interested to see how this translates to the playoffs. Um, But otherwise, uh, I'm excited to see what happens moving forward. I think the big X factor for them is Herb Jones. And, you know, he struggled a bit to begin this season. But ultimately, I feel like he's going to – he's always been effective at – 
being a great defensive player and if he can generate any offense and keep his uh, shooting at a consistent level, then he's going to be a strong asset for them and a ceiling raiser uh, come playoff time. Micah, what were you seeing with the Pelicans and uh, did you have an X factor in mind? You guys covered most of what I had. I think it's interesting right now. They're 13th in offense and 8th on defense. And I expect those numbers to kind of flip. I, I think mm-hmm. they can be a pretty good offensive team, and, and I don't really trust their defense. Uh, they're giving up a ton of threes. They give up the second most in the league, and teams are shooting uh, the second worst percentage from three against mm-hmm. them. So they give up a ton. Teams aren't shooting well right now. If that kind of goes more towards the middle, I could see their defense tailing off a little bit. So that'll be something to watch out for. Uh, my X factor is Larry Nance Jr., the reason because is I think he could unlock more uh, Valanchunas-less lineups. I think in the playoffs yeah. that might really be important. So if Larry Nance is out there, it kind of lets Zion play effectively as the five. And I think that can do a lot for their offense. So that was my X factor. Uh, Kalen, do you have any closing Pels thoughts? Uh, yeah, whenever you talk about the Pels not defending the three well, uh, I think about them starting Zion, Valanchunas, and even Brandon Ingram, even though he's long. Just three guys who, like, I imagine them flying around the court defensively, trying to get out to rotations, close up the shooters. Three guys are not very fast, and I don't associate with a lot of defensive effort. Uh, so that is rough. And... um you know, it's funny to hear like some of the top, top teams who have incredible scoring threats like the Clippers and the Suns. Um, and those teams don't have point guards. And we hear over and over again, do they need a point guard? You know, should they have somebody setting up the offense? Getting them in, da, da, da. The point guard for the Pels is CJ McCollum, who <laughs> has played two his his whole life. Their backup is Dyson Daniels, the six seven wing. There's no point guard anywhere on this team. I wonder if that is like, you know, going to be an issue in the playoffs. Um, So that being said, my X factor is probably CJ McCollum. Um, He's had a pretty good year, Um, a guy who can give you a ton of scoring punch. But, you know, obviously he's not a point guard by trade. And they're kind of just, you know, doing the by committee. They have a lot of guys who can get get you into the offense, but they're all scoring first, right? CJ, Brandon. Uh, and even Zion, they really want to score. Um, so I think that could be an issue um, with their offense. But my main concern is on the defensive end. Um, but just the team I like, like incredibly deep. That's my favorite thing about this team is just how many guys they have that contribute. Um, I love how they're coached, and that's kind of why I had them at eighth. So, yeah, uh, CJ McCollum, McCollum is probably the X factor for the team if he's continuing to hit shots. Uh, continuing to break down defense, get guys involved, then I could see them maybe even upsetting. There's a lot of upset potential, I think, which is why this exercise was super interesting because depending on matchups, like some of the teams at the top, OKC and Minnesota, they're just such young teams. You could see them losing to one of the veteran teams down at the bottom, Lakers, uh, Phoenix. Um, so that's that's super interesting. Um, really, really tough to rank these teams, guys. Uh, Micah, you want to take us out? I know you're a pro at this stuff. Yeah, well, Kalen, thank you for doing that extremely difficult exercise. 
And Lena, thank you for always is joining us. And my name is Micah. This has been the Irrational Confidence Podcast. As always, check us out on YouTube and on TikTok at the Irrational Confidence Pod. And thank you guys for rocking with us. We have some fun episodes coming up and we are nearing the trade deadline. So we have some fun news on the horizon, potentially even a Pascal Siakam trade. So we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in.